wearing shorts. No, my favorite one. Have you seen any of them or you haven't seen them yet? No. No. Okay. Natalie Kingston. Mm -hmm. Episode one. So I'm a, I don't listen to, I don't read full books and I don't listen to full podcasts. So I'm a skipper, right? And so it's Christian and her. And then I skip to the middle and, and all of a sudden her husband's sitting in between them on the couch with no mic. He's just like this. <laughs> just chilling. And they're talking to each other. And he's just going back and forth. And he's just sitting here. <laughs> and I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> so then you rewind you go back. back to see what like, the context did, was. What happened? And he like got home or something. And Christian was like, hey, 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 what's up? Come on in. And then he just plopped down. And so then Christian was like sharing his mic. Because he only had two oh, mics. Man. Oh, that's it was just one of those brutal. deals where if you skip ahead, yeah. you're like, I got to go back. Yeah, figure I got to figure out what's happening here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Rally Caps. It's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs building businesses for the long haul. I'm Steven. And I'm Eric. And we have a special one for you today. We have Daniel McCarthy here, CEO of FM. Musicbed, if you've been following Steve and I for a while, we've been in partnership with Musicbed for a lot of things. And uh, yeah, we're at their lake house right now, which is insanely cool. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I mean, we got the tour last night and we're just blown away by how cool it is. And in Texas, how many rooms there are. Yeah. <laughs> we're not used to the South. We're not used to bigger and better, you know? Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're thoroughly impressed. And I, I even went out for a run today. It's a lot hillier here than Illinois. Just take a left, go to the marina. Yeah, I was I was afraid to like enter though. But now that you said that you have oh, a no, membership, you yeah, you, <laughs> I can. I don't have to be. There's afraid. A security. They don't they don't use it though. Yeah, but it was it intimidated me enough to turn around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, down the road, rolling hills. I'm used to pancake flat running, so that wasn't fun. I have a 15 miler tomorrow, so. Not looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we we just wanted to sit down and chat with you. Um, it's weird for me. It, me, personally, like, I've been on Musicbed for, like, a decade. And I was starting back in 2011, 2012, when I realized I needed to license my music. Yes. <laughs> instead of ripping uh, radio hits and uh, putting them on wedding films, you know. Um, or Radiohead. We did a lot of that, uh, too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I have a lot of, I have some interesting personal questions. Hey, I stole a lot of music uh, circa 2008 <laughs> and 9. Sure you want to admit that publicly? I, I mean, it's why we fixed the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to go take a bunch of stuff down, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's we real. Do. You live and you yeah. learn. Hey, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think every podcast starts with like a who, who are you? What's your story? I don't want to, I don't want to hear all the backstory yet. I just want to hear... Like, what are you right now? What is, what is life? What is life now? Who are you as the CEO of FM? And what even is FM? Yeah, so FM, so I, okay, so I'm the CEO of FM. So FM kind of was birthed out of, Musicbed was the first brand. Yep. Film Supply was the second brand. Which a lot of people, I think, don't know. Okay, so Film like, Supply is stock footage would probably be the most... Uh, known way to put it yeah footage licensing it's same as music bed but footage and uh was our second brand and then uh the you know the third licensing brand we're launching this next year called stills which will be photography um and then we have a couple of other companies that do different ip development and uh, like we have a record label and some other stuff and so there's all these kind of companies that work together and partner with each other and kind of coexist underneath one umbrella. And so it became very obvious really two or three years ago, like this doesn't all work underneath the umbrellas of music bed. Um, and so FM kind of originally was film and music and you know, now it's just FM. Yeah. So that's what it is. <laughs> it's the parent company of all the brands. And yeah. we, it's not, it's not really, it's not really front facing, you know I mean? We don't market FM, we market the brands. So, um, you know, publicly, you know, music bed is music bed, film supply is film supply. Yeah. Um, internally as an, as an organization, everybody works for FM. Yeah. So the question is, did you try to get P Diddy on licensing? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It felt like there was a butt there. <laughs> you, you Why, like no, yourself. I was going to say <laughs> no, but Ben Rector did do a song with Snoop Dogg that we did try to get. Yes. Mm. But it was a hard pass mm. by the uh, Snoop party. Yeah. So fair. We have the we have the song without Snoop on it. Okay. Very cool. That's I, that was in my mind is the closest we ever got <laughs> to P Diddy. <laughs> I mean, because he went Snoop Lion for a while, and then he realized how bad of an idea that was. I think. I have no idea what you're talking Are you about. <laughs> Dude, he, I don't oh, watch no, the news. He, yeah, Did something no, happened. He, he is this TikTok. This was no. a while. <laughs> <laughs> he changed his name. Right? Yeah. Okay. He changed yeah. his Snoop Lion. Oh, oh, to oh Snoop, Snoop Lion. Lion. That yeah, was yeah, his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. For a little bit. Yeah, is I that think. before or after COVID? <laughs> Pro, it's before. Before. Right before? before. Yeah. 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 That's probably why it didn't stick. Mm. Honestly, if you think about it, I. Everyone has known him for Snoop Dog, though. Yeah, but you couldn't get anything Songs? to stick during COVID. No, if you were trying to rebrand uh, in 2019. Well, when did you rebrand mm. with FM? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't care if anybody calls us FM, you know? We ain't trying hard. It's, it's behind the scenes, man. That's exactly my point. It's underground. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I see what you did there. That's a good, that's a good one. Oh, man. It's... I mean, I I love interacting with you, man. We've known each other for like two hours. Now it feels and, like it's been forever. <laughs> it's great. And uh, next question. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, what is? We're in the world of of small business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people that listen to Rally Caps are kind of in our world right now. Um, you know, pursuing photography, pursuing indie filmmaking, whether it's you know getting their feet wet with shooting weddings, um, just doing small commercial work, that kind of stuff. What does, what does having a business of the magnitude that you have now first, maybe talk about numbers of like how many employees, what did it take to get there? How did, the, how did, how did it grow to that point? FM at large. And I guess in contrast to like when it was small in the beginning, what is, what does that feel like now in comparison? Uh, I mean, I honestly think it feels the same in in a lot of ways, right? So it's just like the same departments, marketing, sales, client services. And did you have that built out from the beginning? Um, we knew we, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. We knew what we were doing, you know, but it's like in any company, three, four, five people, everybody, everybody's wearing different hats. And as you scale up, you know, people are getting more into their lane you know they're not doing they're not doing client services and marketing and sales at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now there's three people, mm-hmm. you know, and then now there's a leader over a department of four or five. And if you think like any company at scale, like so we uh, now we probably have about a hundred people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I it's it's in a lot of ways very very similar than it to the way it was, right? So we were just a small music licensing company. And then we were a music and footage licensing company and now we're music and footage and photo. But the foundation of what we laid in 2012, 2013, I would say is still the same mm-hmm. as far as what we're trying to build, the departments that you know operate and function. Um, the mission and vision is still the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just bigger, you know? And I, I think... I mean, every, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Not everybody, not everybody wants to grow their business, I guess. You know, some people kind of like love their flow. For us, it's like growth was always, that's what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reason we exist is to empower creatives, both our clients that are, that are purchasing from us, but also the creatives that we represent yeah. their work. And um, so for me, it's like more is better. I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to reach the whole world here. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to, we're trying to empower every creative on the planet. And so it's just, it's just grown. It's organically grown. We feel very blessed that it, you know, 2011, 11 through probably 14, we grew like wild, like, you know, two, three X a year. I mean, you can't, I mean, you're not, there's no company that three Xing every year, you know? So those start, those startup days are like, so fun because mm-hmm. sure. you're going from zero to 60 
Um, and it probably just feels like, oh, it's going to happen forever. Well, yeah, I, I, you kind of brace yourself, I think, like for like you. I mean, if anybody, if anybody's listening to this, you know, and you're in year one and two, right? It's like you do kind of brace yourself for like, hey, you know, one of these days you're going to grow by like fifteen percent a year, you know, twenty percent a year. So you, you know, you know it's coming. But I think those early days are fun because everything is new, everything is fresh, every mm-hmm. client is new. Um, you know, you go speak at a conference to a thousand people and like nobody knows who you are. It's like so fun. Yeah. It's really fun early on when, when you're like the brand is so fresh to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now I would say again, mission vision is the same, but you're tweaking. Like our focus is much more on building a sustainable business. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets, I think different owners, different CEOs are good for different seasons. And I think some people, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like serial entrepreneurs. Mm. They're great at ideas. They're great at starting things. And their bit is start, build, sell. Mm. Um, I actually enjoyed, I actually really enjoy kind of the season we're in right now as a company, which I think a lot of people maybe would see as boring, which is, you know, re you're always rebuilding and restructuring um, every couple of years, mm. like what's the next thing? How do we keep growing? How do you build sustainably? Like you're looking at data. I never looked at any data <laughs> like 10 years ago. I was like, da- I don't need data. We're just, you're three Xing. We're just going, Yeah. you know, and now you're, now you're analyzing stuff and optimizing things. It's just a different, it's different, but it's the same. Yeah. That's a long winded answer. Yeah. Do you almost feel like you can enjoy the startup rush over and over by launching different brands within the family of FM? Yeah, I mean, selfishly, I think that FM is a little bit, um, it all has purpose, but I would say for me, yes, launching a new thing gives you that jolt, Mm -hmm. you know? Like right now my week is structured where our leadership team meets on Mondays Um, and we cover all the existing brands. And on Tuesdays, we have a leadership meeting just for stills because stills is kind of in a launch phase. It's in a different, so you get this, yeah, you kind of get, I don't know, whatever it is inside of me that Mm -hmm. has to build and launch something. Mm -hmm. I get like that. I get to scratch that itch, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's cool because at the same time, you still get to work on the sustainability of the brand family as a whole, like FM as a whole. Like it's, 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 it's both. That's so cool. Yeah, I think everything works together. Yeah. We'll see what it is in three years. Yeah. Sure. Five, four years. There's there's a lot of parallels there with being in the space of YouTube and us starting YouTube channels and having that. It seems that, you know, there's a shorter shelf life, I think, in the YouTube world uh, as opposed to small business, medium-sized business with people feeling burnout, Um, especially because a lot of people are just one-man band, you know, just um, kind of flying solo and frequently ourselves included, you'll see a new thing that they, they do under their own personal brand as a new channel, new vlog channel, a new this, a new, a new podcast, you know, branching out. Very similar. Um, but I think a lot of times those things tend to fizzle out really quickly because there's no sustainability behind it. And honestly, because a lot of people are just trying to do it solo. Um, so when you're launching something like stills, we'll just use stills as an example because we're in it now, you're in it now with the launch. What does it look like to build a team surrounding that? Are you using existing employees to now diversify into that new entity? Are you looking to, did you have to hire new people to start that? Like what? what no, it's a great question. So if I, if I compare it to the way we did film supply, which was very like vastly different mm-hmm. when we launched film supply, music bed was not large enough. Like music bed couldn't really sustain in that moment, like a hit of launching a new company. Mm-hmm. So I actually, um, we, like I basically hired, I don't even remember what his title was at the time, but basically a managing director who started Film Supply. We like kicked him out of the office. They worked in the back. They were like their own startup, your own marketing team, your own sales team, like just build it. Yeah. So Cody took Film Supply from like zero to 10 million on his own. Um, with our support, with my support, our market share, et cetera. But like, you know, I had two different teams. Like mm-hmm. I had a film supply team and a music bed team. When, 
then three or four years ago when we brought everything together, you know, now it's one marketing department, one sales team, one leadership team over all the brands. Um, stills is very different. Mm -hmm. So we've chosen to launch stills like holistically now. So my like chief content officer, you know, our VP of marketing, our VP of sales, they're over all of it. So, you know, we'll look back and see which one works better. I think that the, the like go started over there in a corner model is cheaper. Mm. Um, but what happens, like, I would say I already can, I mean, I'm speaking a little bit out of the line here, but I can already see the success of stills. So you're looking three or four years down the road and you already know all the problems that you're going to run into sure. with like isolated systems, isolated teams, you know, and you're like, let I don't really want to do that. You know, I, we just walked through that with film supply of having to like reintegrate. So now you're just like, let's just do it right the first time. Hmm. So I, I think to answer your question, we're doing it totally different than we did with film supply. And this time it is ultimately like a third layer on all of our basically everybody yeah. like everybody in leadership is working on all the brands mm. and then kind of the further that you get down you know there will be engineering and product teams dedicated to stills there'll be client services dedicated to stills there will be salespeople dedicated to stills but vp and hire is a, across all the brands um something you said about that process of like go separate startup being cheaper just out of curiosity, like why? Why is it that way? Well, you're not cost sharing expensive salaries is the big deal. Mm. So like I have an entire leadership. I mean, you, you basically all of a sudden take nine or 10 of your most expensive people and you're cost sharing 33% of their salary on a brand that doesn't make any money. Yeah. So that's, that's the big, right? So that's the, honestly, the biggest thing is when you, when you kind of collectively, boom, go launch this thing, it's, it's super expensive compared to like, hey, will you launch still? You're the managing director. Here's your salary. Okay, you're, you're going to go sign a bunch of photographers. Y'all go figure it out. Yeah. You know, here's your Amex. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know. But, but there's, much, there's much more risk in that, the latter part right? Uh, just trying someone I, new. I mean, or? I think the main thing is like we're at the scale we are, you just can't do it anymore. Like we can't release, we can't release a product and a brand into the world like as uh, simple. I don't know how to explain yeah. it other than just like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you go, you offer go on that like way back machine where you can see what websites look like yeah, yeah, yeah. a decade ago. Oh, like if oh, you yeah, go yeah, look yeah, at yes. original music bed or even original film spy, you're like, <laughs> It's rough, man, you know, but it like it worked. Yeah. Um, and so there is a level of like, you know, even just as an organization, there's, there's on the product and engineering side, you know, we're doing things on stills that we don't even have on Films by Musicbed. And we're kind of using stills as a fresh slate. Yeah. This is the way we want the contributor mm. stuff to work. This is the way we want curation to work. This is the way we want checkout carts, flows, PDPs, browse etc. You know, the way we want to utilize AI, like to tag, there's just a lot of stuff that we're doing on stills first. And, uh, you know, if we did it with like a skeleton team, it just, they wouldn't have the horsepower to be able to pull it off. Mm. Dang. So actually let's, let's rewind a little bit then just to give a little more context, I think for, for how you got here mm. and everything that's being built. Yeah, no. sorry. Should I done it that way? No, no, it's good. <laughs> okay. I like I like launching. Dude, you into can edit it, man. Yeah. You can make this first. <laughs> no, this is good though. We we hard launch into everything, and then we'll kind of you know roll yeah. back the clock a yeah. little bit because I think, like Eric mentioned at the beginning, a lot of the viewers and listeners of the show very solo, freelance filmmaker, freelance small production company that are working yeah. out of their bedroom, like very different world uh -huh. that they exist in and that we exist in. Also, did you go to school for this? No, so I dropped out of college. Okay, nice. Um, which I tell my kids do it. on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I, I got my oldest wants to go to TCU. I'm like, you're gonna have to go to community college. I'm not paying for that. Yeah, <laughs> earn your way in. Yeah, you know, get a scholarship. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, I I dropped out of college. My parents kicked me out of the house. Okay, nice. love my parents. If they listen to this, best thing ever happened. They just said like, hey, if you're not going to college, you can't live here. Okay. Um, then my dad. They, they like, I don't know. I think he bought a boat and went to Europe or something with my college phone. He was like, this is great. <laughs> uh, seriously. Epic. So yeah. So I, I dropped out of college and I went and got a job as a graphic designer at an advertising agency. Okay. 
um, kind of worked my way up there for four or five years, left the agency, and for a period of time, I was trying to launch my own creative agency. Cool. And for a period of time, was doing photography and filmmaking, which I had kind of picked up throughout the years, and started shooting weddings, um, like probably many of the people listening, like starting out, right? So you're about that age where all your friends are getting married. And you're like, man, I can make three or four or five thousand dollars on a weekend. This seems great. So I was doing what I was shooting weddings, photographing and filming weddings on the weekends while I was trying to start this creative agency and going through a lot of the, I would say, probably struggles everybody's going through, which is uh, what I'm shooting to make money isn't what I want to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I shoot what I want to shoot? You know, weddings pays good money. But I don't want to do weddings forever. Uh, that was, you know, my I had friends that loved it. Um, so I did that and then I started the creative agency. And then when I started the creative agency, we were primarily like branding, web development, interactive stuff. That's what we called it back in the day. Interactive. Yeah. I don't think anyone uses that word anymore. No, they do on TikTok. Yeah. Oh, it's back. I'm just kidding. I know nothing about TikTok either. Uh, so, so that's, so that's what I was doing. And then, and then we would go to meetings and like every, this is probably 2010. Okay. We would go to meetings where we were going to be doing branding and web development. And they're like, Hey, we want to put a video on our homepage. You know, like, can you make videos? I'm like, yeah, it's my side hustle, right? Like I can make a video. And, and then, you know, you would like the website was going to cost $7,500 and the videos like 15 and they pay for the video. And you're like, this is great. You know, let's, okay. So we kind of became this hybrid, like web, content, branding, video production, like agency. And we did that for a while and then we needed music and it was terrible. And I knew a bunch of people in the industry. Like I knew some artists, I knew some band managers and we just started doing our own licenses. And then through that, I was like, this is way better than the service industry. Hmm. So, um, you know, or the agency world where I went from having one boss to having like 50 Mm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. and they all have your cell phone (laughs) number. And uh, so, you know, so it just kind of music bed, honestly, just came out of our own need for good music for films. And at the time we were like 50% wedding films and 50% like just commercial production. And then we were doing some web development. And, And so anyway, long story short, I ended up selling the agency to the previous agency that I worked at. And then we went like full-on music bed. Dang. And then that was it. But I definitely lived five, like, four or five years in the, like, small agency, filmmaker, freelance, production, like, the whole deal. So you you understood then. Like, you had empathy for your end client. You didn't know that. Well, that was the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come out, like, I didn't come out, I mean, I'm a, a, like, hobby musician, but I I came out of the creative industry side, not the musician side. Okay. So yeah, we built it from day one with filmmakers in mind. Cause yeah. we were like, this is what they need. Yeah. Right. So we you, were always had that need. We were always curating the artists we were signing like the music, you know, Nick is the, which is my, Nick is my co-founder. I mean, Nick is the best at like understanding the sound of the day, mm-hmm. you know, like what is the most relevant sound for what filmmakers need right now to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's just phenomenal at building an amazing catalog uh, and roster of artists. And so, yeah, so we, we came about it from, from the filmmaker's perspective. Yeah. Super cool. You understood what they needed because you needed it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then we did all of our own marketing and, we, and that's kind of how, it, that's how really we built the company. Like I didn't know how to build it any other way. Yeah. So like the last five, the five or six years previous, like we were doing branding and marketing and web development and all the things you need to launch a company for other brands. So when we did it, we just did it for ourselves, you know? So then we ended up with a creative team and a marketing team and we just built it all in house. Yeah. Did that happen quickly building a team around you? Uh, so we were, let's see, year one, we probably went like four or five people year one, okay. year two was 10, 12. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember year three, we went from about 12 to 25. Okay. And that was probably the, I would say, the hardest transition year 
mm. that set us up for the next decade. Because mm. when you're 10 or 12 people, everyone reports to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Everyone's in a room. They're all in like every conversation almost. Yeah. When you go to 25, like now you need a structure. So you transition really from everyone's in the room all the time to how do I communicate, you know, how, how do we build layers in an organization? Yeah. And then, you know, in one year you've grown the, you double the size of the, the team. So, so you're looking around and you're like 50% of the people here weren't with us when we launched, yep. mm-hmm. you know, they don't necessarily know the vision of the organization. They don't report directly to me. So that was a big transition year of just how do I do this? Yeah. But, you know, honestly, 25 to 75 is not much different, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like going from two to three kids. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Zone defense. One is easy. You know, one is an accessory. <laughs> one is an accessory. Two, two is easy. Three is you're outnumbered. Yeah. yeah. Zone defense, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Three. Yeah. You know. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I get it. I have empathy though, right? It's like mm-hmm. you can't. You can't say that joke to someone that has one kid because yeah. they're like, one kid's hard. Yeah. They're very offended. It's like, yeah. it's always hard. Yeah. <laughs> no kids was hard. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. You're talking, to a, you're talking to a guy with two cats and four yeah. kids. So You have four kids? Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. How, what, boy, girl? Uh, three boys, one girl. Yeah. Boy, boy, girl, boy. Yeah. Did it's, you mean to have four? No. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like bookend, not planned. Like first one, not planned, two in the middle planned, last one, not planned. So it's been, it's been a, I think we always wanted three, but none were planned. Nice. That's fun. Mm Mm-hmm. What are the ages of yours? Right now they're nine, 11, 13 girl, all girls. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dipping to the personal side with parenting. How difficult is that age now? Tween to teenage? I mean, uh, it hasn't been hard yet. Really? No. I mean, I, it hasn't been hard. I mean, being but I feel like you don't you don't get to write a parenting book until everyone graduates, right? Mm-hmm. So, it hasn't been hard yet. It's been really fun. Our thirteen year old's a blast. You know, um, our middle kid is my my oldest is a lot like me. My youngest is a lot like me. Our middle kid is just like my wife. Um, but they're fun, you know, they have their, they have their moments first and third kind of argue mm. a little bit. Our second one is the peacekeeper, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think is, yeah, I got in trouble. We were in Colorado last week and the youngest and the oldest were fighting and, uh, I got a little stern with them and my oldest cried and my middle was like, dad you have to go apologize, you know? <laughs> she was like, I couldn't handle the tension, you know? So I had to go clean it all up. But yeah. she's just like your wife. Yeah, man. I mean, they're awesome. Love them. Yeah. What, I mean, how it might feel like a stereotypical question, but I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to balance it. I'm nowhere near the, the volume of, you know, employees. I just have one employee now. What is that balance like? It has, did it feel like, you know, when you went from 12 to 25 to 100 eventually, was there a point where you're like, I can actually kind of like no. let the ship, mm. no? No, I think workaholism um, doesn't care if you're a freelancer or if you have 5,000 employees. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it never gets easier. Yeah. Mm. Like I worked as much and I was just as wired in to my job when it was just me. And then when it was just Nick and I. So I think that that trait, learning how to unplug and be present with your family and how to turn your phone off on a Friday and, you know, how to do all the things you have to do to like stay wired into your family. I don't think it's any different. Mm. Like whether you're freelance or whether you have a thousand people Mm. reporting to you, like in a lot of ways it's easier now, honestly. Like, I, I mean, honestly, like I, I, I probably, the hardest I ever worked in my life were like the first five or six years of music bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause you're just grinding, trying to like start this thing. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of empathy for like actually the one man bands, yeah. the two or three people trying to start something. Cause that's probably the hardest you'll ever work. Yeah. So, but if you don't, if you don't teach yourself how to rest, um, 
I, you, you like you'll carry that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in the end, you're working 40, 50 something hours a week, and you got a weekend just like everybody else does. So you got it. You have to. You got to teach yourself the rhythms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there any hard and fast rules that you have for yourself now for just crafting out time for family? unplugging from work, any, any disciplines that you've learned along the way? Uh, I would say we try to like, you know, Haley and I have two date nights a week, which sounds aggressive, but we try to be pretty religious about it. Thursday night, Sunday night. Um, you know, it's awesome when your kids get older, like the 13 year old babysits, right? So (laughs) babysitting is cheaper. So, you know, we try to do two date nights a week. We try to do like two, at least three day vacations a year. And then we try to do two kind of week-long family vacations. So some of it, I think, is just being intentional with your calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, weekly, I don't, yeah, we kind of have our weekly rhythms, you know, like Sundays are pretty chill. Mm. Try to stay technology-free. I screw up all the time. But once you start getting kids with, with phones, though, you better like practice what you preach yeah. or they'll call you out on it, you yeah. know? So, um, so like, you know, our 13 year old has a bunch of phone rules, mm-hmm. right? You got, got to turn it in at nine, at 9 PM, you know, got some restrictions. We're like working her into full freedom okay. on the phone. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it is, it, 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 it you, you do kind of like you, you know, she's on the couch on her phone, not being present and you want to be like, Hey, Put, put your phone down, you know? But it's like, you know in your mind, like you were just on your phone yeah. <laughs> for like 20 if minutes. they bark yeah. at you to do that. Texting yeah. a like, friend. You yeah. don't tell me to do that. <laughs> so you get you get a little bit like, oh man, I think I need to put my phone down more often. Yeah. Yep. They're almost like accountability partners yeah, at I that think, point. I think the phone is, you know, the phone is a lot of it. Yeah. Like. I think, I think of the way I'm distracted at home as more of a solopreneur kind of person. It's a lot of social media. It's a lot of, emails see i don't even have social media that's what i was gonna ask it's just like no 100 i, I assume gone. yeah i assume that's but so then what is the time consumed by are you like you on slack are you like communicating with employees yeah i mean i would say again right like the the ism right the workaholism like whatever you want to call it the thing that you love you know i love i love doing what i do so um you'll you know it'll con- something will consume you mm-hmm. I love cars. I'm on Auto Trader a lot. Mm. Like I'll catch myself, right? Like what do you do? Like what do you do when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> what are you th- what are you thumbing through? What are you scrolling through? Like yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell yeah. you what you love the most. <laughs> so, you know, like I'm on like realtor.com, Zillow, Auto Trader, Slack, you know, like, I'm I, you know, I'm just texting, I'm thinking about stuff on the weekends, writing notes. So, you, you know, you yeah. I mean, I got off social media a long time ago primarily uh just comparison Mm. i just can stomach it Mm. like i hate it you know and i think we have a generation coming behind us that is going to agree with me Mm. that's my that's my hope at least Mm -hmm. um i actually think that i actually think that 10 and under right now um are going to kind of have that like art you know like oh my gosh my parents they're like always on their phones. That's stupid social media. Mm, like yeah. I kind of have this hope. Yeah. It's probably just a hope that, that they're going to be sick of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my daughter comes home from school cause she doesn't have social media yet, which again, you got to practice what you preach. I don't have it. Yeah. So I'm not like those parents that are like, you can't have Instagram. They're like, but you have it. Yeah. I'm like, you can't have Instagram and I don't have it either mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. But she'll come home and be like, dad, all my friends, you know, I'm talking like 11, 12 years old. All my friends have anxiety. All my friends say they're depressed. I'm like, how old are you? When I was, man, people didn't get depressed till they were in their 20s. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Depressed at 11? Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, all of my friends that say they they have anxiety have social media. I'm like, huh, do you want it? (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, do you want it? And it's like, hmm, not really. You know, you're like, yeah. okay, we'll talk about it again. So, yeah, I don't know how we got into this conversation, but uh, yeah, unplugging, mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's, it's more, it's more of like a soul issue because mm-hmm. you can, you can get rid of social media, you can get rid of whatever, but you're still not yeah. locked in in the head. Right. So it's like, 
it didn't totally solve it for me. I still had to find other ways, you know, get up, work out, read, schedule date nights, proper vacations, family time, et cetera. Totally. But I mean, what do you see yourself in the future? How do you see FM shaking out? You talked about loving the process of building a business, growing it, sustainably growing it, being a part of it still. Do you see a path in which you're like, all right, this is my exit plan. Um, this is how I'd want to shift it and get out of it. Is there a certain age you have in mind? Like how far does your 10, 20, 30 year plan look? Do you have one of those? Uh, I don't, you know, we've been approached a lot by people that want to buy it or acquire or merge. Bezos. Or, oh yeah. Yeah. Me and me and Jay. Yeah. <laughs> On the jet, the black one. Yeah. Before he got the white one. Went to space. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, well, first I've been around, I think the, the main thing is if, if like, you know, if you're a one man band and this is your deal and whatever, I mean, if you're starting a small company, I would say this before you transition onto something, I think you need to know what you're transitioning to. So I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of friends that have sold something because the price was right. Mm. Um, a lot of it happened during COVID. Mm. Right. I mean, tech companies, whatever, like there's crazy money being thrown around. Yeah. And I think you've been building it for a while and someone's like, oh, you know, like, would you consider here? Like, here's 50 million. Here's 100 million, whatever it is. Here's 3 million. And you're like, can't I do? I mean, I can't can't reject that. Right. And then all of a sudden you got millions of dollars in the bank and you're the most depressed you've ever been. Yeah. And I've seen it like over and over and over and over again of like you you, the reason why you were fulfilled is you loved doing what you were doing yeah. for the people you were doing it for with the people you were doing it with. Yep. Now your bank account is bigger and you hate your life yeah. and you have no purpose. So for me, it's hard. Cause like I grew up playing piano and drums, you know, in high school, I started doing video production and photography. Then I was a graphic designer. My first actual real job was a graphic designer you know, searching for photos on iStock to use in designs. Like, I feel like my whole world, my entire life has been a form of FM, hmm. of like photo and film and music and creatives. And so I'm like, I don't know what the heck I would do. I mean, honestly, this is the industry that I love. I actually feel called to this industry, right? Yeah. So I'm like, so for me, would I ever, you didn't even ask that question necessarily, but would I ever sell it? I'm like, I'm not going to say no, but I'm telling you there better be something big of like, why? Yeah. Sure. Right. Like, like, what are we trying to accomplish? So for me, I actually view the reason why we set up FM in, in general, honestly, was to be kind of this conduit in which we could launch and, and grow brands. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually see FM as the long game and, you know, I'll be in it as long as they let me. Yeah. I, like my leadership team can kick me out if they want to, but Right now, it's really fun, yeah, and it's growing, and I feel like we represent some of the best creatives in the world, and um, you know we're helping them, we're helping empower them to continue to do what they love. So you know, I, I don't know, you know, this is kind of like this is what I love. It's what I feel like I was created for. Amazing. Are are there uh, things beyond stills that are getting launched or being incubated by FM right now? Yeah. 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 Great. Great. Some things. Some yeah. things. Some cool things. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what's next, um, but Stills is the one that we're pretty amped about. This yeah. I think we're talking about music. We're supposed to be talking about Music Bed, though. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> music Bed's got some fun stuff coming, too, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, not, to, not to stroke your ego or anything, but, like, coming, both of us coming from a music background, like, playing music as kids, teenagers into our early adulthood throughout adulthood, like, and having the perspective of artistry that we do. I mean, being a YouTuber, I'm approached all the time by music licensing platforms. Right. And I've, I dabble. There's other, there's other companies that do it. Yeah. Do. So uh, I don't know if you knew this, but yeah, there's about a hundred other <laughs> ones that email me every other day. So I got off of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, it has remained the same in that like, I'm just not interested in any other one because of the curation and because of the artistry involved that really the interdisciplinary 
perspective, even when it comes down to design, the way the website is designed, searchable searchability, um, the quality of music, it's all there, you know, being someone who really cares about that. And what's interesting is a lot of filmmakers do have a music background. And so I think a brand like Musicbed is going to cater to people like ourselves that really do care about that stuff. Like we can see through all the smoke and mirrors of a company that might be trying to do more volume or, yeah. you know, reach people pursuing a YouTube platform that just need music in the background. Mm -hmm. Right. And like truly authentically using music as a tool. Um, I think so many people are, are missing that in their filmmaking, to be honest. Uh, and putting that on the back burner, the amount of emotion that can be elicited through the right track. Yeah, I think I think we um, we realize that it takes some level of patience. I think when we got in when we got into the YouTube world, because really when we launched the company, it was like wedding filmmakers, nonprofits, freelance filmmakers, yeah. uh, brands, ad agencies, and and really the YouTube world like was not a part of Musicbed's life yeah. for like the first seven eight years of the company, and then you know three four years ago we really like decided we need to make a way for creators. Um, and the first thing we learned is millions of them don't care. Yeah. Mm. And like, I remember having a conversation with the creative director when I was running an advertising agency, um, like early on in my career, I was pitching a brand on this marketing campaign that I knew was genius. Like I felt like this is going to work. It's going to hit all the goals. And they just didn't bite. And, and I sat down with this creative director one time and he was like, Daniel, you, you're, you've got to stop wasting your energy fighting with people that will never get it. Hmm. Hmm. And I'm like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, there's something inside of me that's like, everyone can get it. You know what I mean? Like, if I fight enough, like, maybe I haven't explained it enough. Like, he was like, there's people in this world that don't understand marketing and they never will and they won't invest in it, and you've got to stop arguing with them. And I think sometimes on the music side, I feel the same way, that there's just millions of, you know, no disrespect, there's just millions of filmmakers that just don't get it. Yeah. And I think as a brand, we have a conversation kind of frequently, humbly, of like, just be patient. Because there was a time in our lives and our careers where our taste wasn't elevated to a point that we didn't get it either. So it, it's almost, a, I almost feel like in, in the YouTube world, it's like the patience game. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just hanging out. We're here while you're using alternative things, while you're growing in your craft. But like, we can't wait for you to get here. Mm -hmm. and, and one day kind of realize like, man, I got to get, I was talking to a filmmaker. There's, there's, a, there's a YouTuber that's got over a million followers uh, that goes to school. His, his daughter goes to school with my, my daughter. And so I, you know, but he's never used music bed for like mm -hmm. years. And, uh, and I was talking to him and he was saying like during COVID, their numbers went like skyrocketed and then post COVID their numbers went way down. And he's like, man, I'm just trying to figure out how to get, you know, my, my interaction higher engagement higher. I'm trying to get watch time higher. And he's like, honestly, I started using better music and it's like really helping, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, awesome. Yeah. You know, like, that's great. So I, I do think there is a level of like, we, I think we tried really hard for a while to just force the world into understanding that better music was worth it. Mm. And I think we kind of realized like, you just got to wait. Yeah. Because hmm. everyone will get there eventually where they're like, man, like I'm, I've done everything. Like, how do I increase my production value? Like, how do mm. I give people goosebumps? You know? Because for me as a, as a previous filmmaker, I'm like, do you realize how hard everything else is? Like everything else is so hard. The script, the talent, like the gear, the studio, like everything is so hard. Like good music is like cooking with bacon. Mm -hmm. It is the easiest way to give goosebumps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. He, like, does, he does not know what you're saying. It's easy. Vegetarian. Oh, you're, oh I'm sorry, man. Uh, hey, okay. They made bacon sorry. in here this morning. Pescatarian. So. Yeah. You get what I'm saying, right? It's, it's so funny as a filmmaker because you're like, it's honestly like cheating. Yeah. It, it feels like that. It's honestly cheating because you're like, you, and, and it covers like so many mistakes. Like as a previous filmmaker, I'm like, man, 
dang it, dude, we didn't have the camera in the right spot. We should have done that. That wasn't right. And you're like, I just throw a great song on it, you know, fix it. Um, and we've seen so many YouTubers honestly go from, you know, go, go from whatever they're using to, to using better music. And I think everything goes up, you know, they start getting comments like, who is that band? You know, or like, oh my God, I love that song. Or like they get, they're getting more interactions, more likes, more views. So I think it it is, um, I don't, music bed isn't cheap, but I would say it's like the cheapest way to double down on your value and like the the, the actual creation. People people think that the three, $4,000 camera they need to switch to is going to do it when every camera is virtually the same now. And if you like, gosh, shoot it on your iPhone, use good music and tell a great story. Yeah. It's like, tell, like, tell a great story first. Yeah. yeah. Let's start there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you're saying the things you do. It proves that you're being honest about this um, because you're just admitting what, you know, what people might not necessarily think you should be admitting. But like when we've worked on short films, what, when, when I was doing volume of wedding films, like when I found chapters, the band chapters, oh, yeah, yeah. it was game over. Like every hit that they put on, like, it's so funny. I emceed a wedding filmmaker workshop and we had the awards night and like everyone was using chapters. Dude, next time you come, will we make sure they're here? Oh yeah. Y'all can all hang. Yeah. Or have we've, y'all met? We've DM'd, but haven't been okay, able to great. meet. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, but I even used it on, I started a running channel and I've been bringing all my filmmaking skills into the running channel. We've been using all music bed music and on a freaking running channel, people are asking what music is this? And my Chicago marathon vlog has a chapter song on it. Me the first time for five years trying to break three hours in the marathon, finally did it. Wouldn't miss it for the world by chapters. Just like I cry when I watch, watch it back. It's just like, it feels second to none. And I'm like, no other platform has given me the ability to feel that way. Again, I'm not just saying this to gas you up. Musicbed is the service I've used in my filmmaking career the most and the longest um, outside of using Canon cameras. And so to it's me... great, Canon ad. I'm going to stop this <laughs> for a little 15-second Canon yeah. ad. <laughs> 5D Mark II, man. Is that where you got started? Yeah, uh, that was my dream camera. Can't, I added a T2i. And once I got my hands on the 5D two. Uh, yeah, that's where everything changed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I always want to like pause, have a moment where we recognize what Canon did. Yep. Yeah, seriously. No, that yeah. that camera. I don't know if everything. you remember what we were doing before that. We were using Panasonics with mm-hmm. Red Rock micros. Yep. We were shooting crap upside down. Yeah. Having to flip it over in Final Cut with some crappy like lens. You know, you know what I'm talking. All the lens mm-hmm. adapters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then freaking Canon, dude. Come they throw it on the 5D Mark II and it was game over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Full so good. Game changer. Full shows Cannon. shot on it. It's true. You did it. Hey. You did it, Canon. <laughs> we shoot on now. a Canon right now. <laughs> you know it. I, they really, man, like they, they deserve a lot of credit. I, I genuinely believe, like I hope the CEO Canon freaking listens to this. I believe we would not be where we are without that technology. Like the 5D it, what it, it just... Boom, because it created millions of filmmakers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, it, it, it just it revolutionized the market, the yeah. size of the market. I mean, wedding filmmaking, yeah. nonprofit filmmaking, mm-hmm. run and gun, like documentary. Like it, it just... It broke down all the barriers. That, that moment in history, I don't even remember what it was. It was probably, what would that have been like? Oh, six, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Seven. Yeah, seven. Eight, I don't know. Somewhere in there. It was later. I think it was such like, a massive, like such a massive nine. moment in the yeah. industry, yep. right? Uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. You know, but I, I think <laughs> the hard part for me is that bottom line is if we were chasing dollars, that's the hard, I think that's the hardest thing mm. yeah. is knowing that um, you are waiting for an industry at large kind of filmmakers to wake up and be like, I want to be better. I want the music in my films to be better. I want my stories to be authentic and relevant. Like I'm going to fight for that. And the fact of the matter is, is there's less of them than there is people just producing crappy videos. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I guess I feel like we could have 10,000 more subscribers if we were just, you know, it, but sure. I, but I, you know, and it's a tightrope with, with us because of the artists that we represent, we're limited 
by the, the amount we can charge for the subscription. So we kind of have tried to find, we walk a tightrope, I feel like every day, yeah. which is we want it to be accessible and attainable for the most amount of filmmakers that want it as possible. Mm-hmm. But we also want to sign really great artists. Yeah. Right. So if we make it too cheap, we lose artists. Yep. You know, if we make it too expensive, we lose our clients. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we really do walk this tightrope um, trying to make the absolute best music yep. possible and accessible to filmmaker to the, the most filmmakers we possibly can. Yeah. yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's like truly you get what you pay for in that case. Like you could go with a cheaper service, but you're going to get music that sounds cheaper also. Like it's, it's going to be a different tier that you're working at. And if you're, I got some music on like artless, man, I made it in my basement and stuff. <laughs> Dude, I'm making, I'm making three to $7 a month. <laughs> I seriously, and it's 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 paying for it's paying for my nitro cold brew mm. once a, once, <laughs> once a month. You get nitro cold brew? Wait, bro, I do get nitro cold brew, and it is exhilarating. Yeah, I can't even imagine you. I don't after, do Starbucks right like, like I I'm I, we, you know here at FM Music Bed. You're not supply, we're coffee Starbucks. snobs, big time coffee snobs. Yeah. It started all started with Will. If you've met Will, if you haven't met him, you'll meet him tomorrow. Uh-huh. Um, he was an OG coffee snob and it's just, it's gotten really bad. And so we, you know, we're anti Starbucks, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but my kids love Starbucks, dude. You know, they get Starbucks gift cards for Christmas and they want to go before, you know, and so you got, so as a dad who loves his kids, mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to find something here that doesn't taste burnt yeah. and like that I can stomach. Yeah. And the nitro cold brew is it for me. Yeah. Okay. Because your kids aren't getting like drip coffee. No, dude. They're no, getting like frappuccinos. Like, no, but I'm, I'm weaning them off. You know, I'm like, okay, we're going to start. That's what I told them all. Like, we're going to start with we're gonna start with vanilla latte. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start weaning you off the sugar. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, my youngest now is like down to three pumps. She'll go to two pumps next. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then we're going to go to one pump. <laughs> And we're going to, you know, yeah. we're going to get her to just latte, no sugar. Yeah, latte, no sugar, no And foam. then you wean them off that to just Americano. There you you got to teach them the ropes, man. Yeah. And then they're going to wake up one day and be like, why have you been drinking this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Coffee is so much better. <laughs> but if the phone comes on top, I send you it You know, this back. is honestly, <laughs> this is honestly very symbolic of what we're talking about. <laughs> We're craft coffee, man. Yeah, it's true though. But there's a lot of Starbucks lovers. Yeah, teach their own. It's, it's okay yeah. though. Yeah. yeah, we don't shame them. Yeah, we wait. Can you please tell we the story wait. about lunch? Yeah, actually, the grinder, the beans we, that you found in the grinder earlier. So I found some. Okay, so I came. <laughs> okay, so we're, this, we're at the house. This house is an Airbnb. We sometimes. Airbnb yeah. it sometimes. You can't come hang with us for twenty seven fifty a night. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, <laughs> We do Airbnb it, man, and I come in and there's these, there's these greasy dark beans and the grinder, and I was like, who did this? <laughs> so I walked in, and I'm like, hey, is anybody is is anybody's coffee in the grinder and no one fessed up? And I was like, that's nasty. Like whatever <laughs> is in that is like nasty Starbucks greasy. Smells like crawfish. Mm-hmm. And I, but I didn't want to publicly shame anybody if you brought it. Yeah. Very kind of you. I feel like the majority of the people listening here, like they get it. They get it. They ain't Keurig. I mean, no. So we're not. This isn't an espresso crowd. Yes. This is. We're preaching to the choir right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're. you're, I mean, we're like. I'm an espresso in a hotel only. You know what I mean? Oh. And it's like not a hotel I picked. It's like a hotel I gotta stay at. Somebody else picked it. Mm. And I just need caffeine. And there's. I'll do a pod if I have to. Yeah. Yep. If you really need it. That's that's sure. I draw the line at Keurig. Absolutely not. Okay. Nespresso to me is like, if I had to. Okay. Yeah. But like that little machine in the hotel room? No. You're telling me you wouldn't Nespresso pod? I would. I would Nespresso. Oh. I would not Keurig. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah. You get caffeine headaches. You don't have caffeine. Uh, my, yeah, my wife does worse, but I, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you still. What is, your, uh, a, what is your coffee drink of choice? Oh, Cortado. Oh, Man, that's what I was gonna say. Wait, aren't you aren't you like a seltzer? Oh, I like uh, espresso tonic. Espresso I like in tonic. The summer. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. In yeah. the summer, like a cold one. Yeah, 
Yep, I like. So that. what's that shot of espresso and like a topo? Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, it was delicious. Super refreshing. I could get into that. Only in the summer, though. Yeah. It's it's like very much like a warm weather drink. But, but Cortado, Cortado is is uh, almost every CEO I've ever met loves Cortado. It's like a mm-hmm. CEO drink. Did you know that? No, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think there's something about like that. It's it's less dairy, same hit. Yep. And you're like, it's quick. Yep. And there you were, just yeah. ah. But it, but it's it's like nicer cor- than a straight espresso. Cortado is like- totally like for those of us that can't do the f- i mean i'll i'll take a shot of espresso but i'm not like you're not stoked pumped it. about it okay I'm jittery it's for those of us that aren't too espresso yet but just like we just need it over like we're, we're here like we're here for a hit you know what i'm saying yeah i ain't trying to enjoy this <laughs> i'm just trying to just a hard start let's go let's get it going <laughs> yeah how about you what's your drink mine's just a black coffee yeah pour over pour if over. possible preferred brewing method nice Ethiopian. This podcast is way too long. Single origin. <laughs> okay, we're going to hit you with rapid fire questions. I'm just telling now. you right now. Okay, are you, you ready? You're going to have to edit a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, we roll straight through this. Okay. Okay, we call this batting practice. Yeah. Rally Caps is the name of the podcast. Baseball themed. We grew up playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are you ready? Oh, yeah. We do not have any ones written down, so we're just going to... Ad lib. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Um, can you tie a cherry... Uh, stem in your mouth? No. Yeah, favorite coffee drink? Cortado. And what about cars? That's my disease. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever bought a car while you're sitting on the toilet? But I bid on it for sure. I have bid on a car sitting on the toilet. Favorite kind of car? That fast I, cars. Specific fast SUV. Porsche, okay. Porsche, Porsche, if you're like really into it, okay. Porsche, if you're just a normal person yeah. <laughs> and I'm not offended by either one of those. Okay. Uh, favorite basketball team? Mavs. Uh, would you ever run a marathon? Nope. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not that kind of CEO. There's two <laughs> kinds of CEOs. <laughs> two kinds of CEOs. There's triathletes uh, and people like me. Uh, okay. <laughs> the ones with the 26.2 on their the back of their car. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a specific breed. Yeah. And I... I respect it. Okay. Fair. Uh, favorite form of exercise? Uh, ski machine and or like just a treadmill. I, mean, I hit the treadmill every morning. S- swim in the lake, swim in the pool. Pool. Where'd you but grow up? But we're at the lake. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? Here, Fort Worth, Texas. How old are you? 36. How tall are you? 5'11 and a half. How, how old? But my daughter says I'm six foot because she doesn't want a five foot dad. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means or if that offends anyone here, but I'm like, I'm not six foot. She's like, well, I tell my friends you're six foot because I don't want a 5'11 dad. What's the weirdest pet you've ever seen someone own? Uh, when I was growing up, my my cousin had a ferret. Yep, that was mine. Okay. Yeah. Um, watches or sneakers? Watches. Do you ever have a desire to start a YouTube channel? Man, I've tried that crap. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that, that was I like what answer. you guys do. <laughs> I like what you guys do, but I, 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 it's the same reason why I can't be on social media. Like, I can't handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I so respect, you know, whatever you, whatever the world wants to label you guys, influencers, creators, mm-hmm. whatever that you're pouring your soul into this thing you're creating for all the world to see it. And it's a constant identity yeah. struggle. And like, I can't do it. I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Y'all are stronger than me. <laughs> That's generous. <laughs> Waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Rain. This morning. I had Waffle House this morning. Perfect. Thunderstorms or hurricanes? Thund- I mean, tornadoes, man. We're in Texas. Okay. There you go. I think that signifies the end of okay, batting great. practice. Yeah, because it's starting to get a little <laughs> dicey there. What did, what did you say? Rainstorms or I don't know. thunderstorms or hurricanes? I out. <laughs> Dude, we, we, uh, we get to watch them roll in. Yeah. And it's pretty wild. It's a oh, big lake. It's getting pretty. Uh, What's the square mileage on this lake? What square mileage is? Uh, I think it's like I want to say like six or seven thousand acres. Whoa! I don't even know what that means. I don't know what an acre of water. It looks would like. be the. Do you ski? No. Mm. <laughs> it's about the size of Vail Mountain. But if you don't ski, then uh, I run marathons. I don't know if you knew this about me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, run for fun is different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I run for, like, because I, because I don't run for fun. 
Yeah, that's a shame. But I do. I love like I love, you know I, I I don't I like I wasn't were you you were athletic as a kid. You yeah. were with a ball. Yeah. So like I'm not. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, which is like I was not. I would consider myself down the like I'm not athletic, but I love activity. Like I wasn't mm. good with a ball. Okay. Yeah. Growing okay. up as yeah, a child, yeah. I was in marching band. I was a dork. Yeah. But like as I've gotten older, I like water sports, snow sports. I like that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm not for the low thrill. Like hiking is not for me. Same. Um, and then running for me is like a. I don't That's enjoy evil. it, but I just have to stay active. So I just do it. You got to sure. close those rings, you know? I hear that. Loops. <laughs> well, maybe consider, you know, some of us just get it. And some of you're waiting. <laughs> yeah. You wait for me, man. Yeah, I will. I'll I think I'll you. be there. I think I will be there. Okay. You just call me up when you, when that day comes. In the morning, mm-hmm. you ran to the, you didn't run to the marina. I did. And then I turned around because I was hill, intimidated. Up the hill, take a left run all the way to the marina. It's pretty magical. Okay. Just chill out there and then run back. Okay. Perfect. Sounds great. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It was very, very fun. It was a blast. First guest of 2023 as well. Oh, let's go. Okay. Sweet. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Like it, review it, all those things. Subscribe, do all the things. Love you. Daniel, thank you so much. Any last words? Thank you. Have a great day.